The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Hi, welcome to Master Your Life. I'm Leah Mattinson, host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard, how are you doing this week? I am doing really well so far this week. Um... Because looking forward to tomorrow, which is Valentine's Day. Um, but um, yeah, having a good week. How about you? Yes, well, love is in the air. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic week. Uh, so Howard, I just wanted to take a few minutes at the beginning of this show to actually just give people a little bit of our background. Um, and and I know your wonderful background because you're a neuroscience writer and you've been uh, on every important show um, on the state in the States. But I just would like to give people an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So maybe you could just speak to what it is that you're doing right now in your career and in your practice um, and, and the things that are, are bringing you joy and love as we launch into this Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay, well, um, you know, I, I come from England originally, and I did a um, PhD in clinical psychology and, and started my career in the UK um, and spent almost 10 years um, being a academic and researcher, researching in addictions at the Institute of Psychiatry in London. And uh, then I moved to uh, St. Andrew's Hospital in Northampton. Uh, where I was a consultant, and during that time, um, I actually got to meet Princess Diana, who came to open a wing of the hospital, because Northampton is her hometown, was her hometown, Um, so that was a a great experience, Um, and then I was recruited to come to the United States to run a behavioral wellness program, which I did for a number of years, and then along the way, my career took various turns, um, from having my own practice to, you know, more later in my career, really getting into neuroscience and integrating neuroscience into my practice, as well as doing a lot of speaking, a lot of consulting, um, being a consultant for one of the largest weight loss support groups uh, in North America, which I I really enjoyed, um, and doing stuff like that, and and just more laterally, 
uh, discontinued my practice and really focus on getting the word out about neuroscience and how the brain works and how our minds really work. A different way of reaching people through writing and through through books, um, but it's certainly my passion and it allows me to stay in touch with all the latest ideas in neuroscience as well as psychology. Uh, and so I'm a happy camper. Yeah, because there's been some huge changes and transitions in the last, you know, 12 to 12 to 15 years, just about how science views the brain and how it's wired or, or not wired and just how much control we have over making uh, things in our life better, in, including the health of our brains. So that's where I come in and, and that's my passion, I would say, is our is our brain well, not just our thinking, but is our brain and body well? And so um, for me, it's the whole uh, 30 years of lifestyle as medicine sort of work um, that has helped me to maintain my wellness in the face of a rare illness, Huntington's disease. And I've also been just really uh, blessed in my life to have come across um, people who are operating at super high levels in their careers or in one area of their life or another and then for some reason have a huge crash <laughs> and then need to pick themselves up and, and sweep themselves off and get back in the in the proverbial saddle. So um, I love the blend of the things that we talk about because we talk often about the, you know, the hardwiring of the brain, but also just uh, how we think and and how it the difficulties or complexities of health um, challenges in the world today. Um, I don't know if it's getting easier or more difficult to navigate through things, but that seems to be a really common theme. Well, you know, we're beginning to understand the complexity of of a number of things, including health. Um, I don't know that it makes it any easier because in many ways, you know, human beings aren't set up to deal with complexity. And that's one of the things we have learned, uh, you know, in the last 15 years is that by and large, uh, human beings want simplicity. And we like to make things as simple as possible, divide them into, you know, binary alternatives. And that's not really the way the world is. So we understand it's complex, but we have a tough time dealing with it and that makes navigating healthcare, taking care of yourself, mastering your life, all of those things, that adds a whole new dimension. It makes it a whole lot more difficult. Yeah, and then and in the wonderful words of Jimmy Pollard, <laughs> we don't we do we don't like surprises. People like to say they like surprises, but we really don't love them that much. And what we you know really thrive better on is uh, and do better within is routine. And you know that people look at routine like it's boring or um, mundane, and really routine is just kind of the structure that we work within. And and so having good uh, daily habits and daily practices helps us. To, to be able to navigate things more successfully, uh, not only when we're well, but when we're faced with health challenges of any kind. Well, yeah, we want, really what we want is we want to control our world. We want to feel we have control over it because frankly, feeling you don't have control over it is really scary and unpleasant and anxiety producing. So uh, the first thing we want is we want to feel we're in control. We want to feel that things are predictable. Now, they are way less predictable than we would like them to be. Um, and as a result, that does influence our thinking a lot because we want to exert that level of control and feel we understand it. You know, to say, I really don't know, sometimes it's really hard, but actually 
is the more realistic uh, analysis of a situation. So what are you saying? That that <laughs> that predictability is somewhat like winning the lottery? <laughs> well, you know, that's that's how much control we actually have is about the amount that we have of winning the lottery? <laughs> Well, because it depends which lottery you're playing. You know, if you're playing the uh, Powerball, which is like 300 million to one, <laughs> you'd, you would hope that you'd have a little more um, control than that. But, but you know, life is complex. And as I say, we like to reduce it to simple terms. And sometimes that works very nicely and that's all we need. And sometimes we can't do that. And that's when we get confused, I think. Yeah, and one of the things we love to in, love to get people to consider is just like, you know, where is it you're at right now in your life, and where is it that you want to be, and then how do you how do you make the leap from the where you are right now to where you want to be, or how, and how do you take those baby, you know, first baby steps so that even the you know like we don't have control, but we do have some things that we can do to um, be as well as we can be, or to learn to advocate for ourselves as well as we can, or to prepare other people around us to. Um, advocate for our our health needs. So what are the, you know, kind of the daily practices, Howard, that you uh, encourage people to do, or maybe even just a morning morning practices that you encourage people to think about? Well, actually, what I do is encourage them to think. Um, you know, there's a great quote by George Bernard Shaw, which is, uh, most people only think two or three times a year. I've made a reputation by thinking two or three times a week. Yeah. And and you, when you look at this, you think, well, that's typical of people who don't know George Bernard Shaw. He's very sarcastic, satirical, but actually a lot of what he says is totally on the mark, which is why it's so, so poignant funny. and funny. Yeah. Um, and so you take that. Oh, most people only think two or three times a year. Well, here's the thing. It depends what you mean by think, right? And the word think, what do you think, means lots of different things. Now, if you take think to mean do a really deep dive, suspend your judgment, really delve into a subject, explore it, really think about it in an objective way, actually, how many times do most people do that a week? Probably not many, actually, sad to say. We live in a busy world, there's distractions, we're not trained to do that. So in that sense... Sure, it's probably probably right. What I like to encourage people to do is be aware of their thought process so they can see where they potentially are going to mislead themselves, make poor decisions, uh, and, and, and not really be in control. It may mm-hmm. feel as if you're in control, but not. So, you know, that's really my shtick. Now, obviously, there are the lifestyle behaviors that we talk a lot about on the show, which we know are uh, related to good quality health and, and well-being and longevity. And, of course, those are the things that I try to do and encourage other people to do. And, of course, those are exercise, nutrition, sleep, um, relaxation, uh, and social challenge, you know, uh, cognitive challenge, keeping yourself sharp. So, though, you know, those are general things uh, that we encourage people to do all the time on this show. Right, which and which sounds very simple. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and we know that it's it's absolutely not simple uh, that that 
instilling those daily behaviors, even around nutrition. We travel so much um, in our family that often that's the thing the kids will go, oh, there's nothing to eat uh, or there's only this particular place to stop to eat and it's not the place that I would necessarily like to have them eating at. And, and so we get in the habits over the years of either doing what's right and good for our bodies or succumbing to the things that are, you know, we all know what's leading us, I think, down the path of, of not feeling well and not doing well. And, and so uh, part of what we do with our clients is help them to um, figure out how to put up roadblocks <laughs> to, to those, right. you know, behaviors and to not be thinking about, um, not even to let those kind of options enter their minds. So part of, part of the strategy is how do you think about things? And the second part of the strategy is how do you put these things into actual action in your day-to-day life? Yeah, and here's the thing. We tend to think of people as, you know, if you just think generally how people are going to react, we think they're going to behave rationally. Really, it's got nothing to do with that, okay? We, by our actions, by our circumstances, train our brains. We train our brains. And we're not just training them to react in a certain way. We are training them how to think. In many ways, you know, our brains are our greatest curator of information because we act in a certain way. Our brains get sensitive to certain things just simply on training. That's what they pay attention to. And that directs not just our behavior and our thought. So we act and think you know, what I like to say, you get out what you put in, right? If you've been acting in a certain way, if you've been exposed to things and reacting to things, that has trained your brain, very literally created pathways in your brain that shape your thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and one example that I like to use, you know, I uh, sometimes um, feed my dog Scrap, food scraps from the table, which is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when we have somebody come over for dinner, you know, the dog's at the table nuzzling the guests, and I go ballistic. I say, Jack, what are you doing? Bad dog, bad dog, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm the one to blame because I've trained him, right? I'm the one, I've trained him to do that. Now, your brain is like my dog. It'll do what you've trained it to do. And so if you have fed it junk food or have an exercise for 20 years that's what it's going to do and if you say oh time to change my diet your brain's going to say what are you talking about right Uh, but on the exciting side of that i think that the word train is exactly accurate so you can retrain (laughs) you can retrain your brain and you can retrain your dog uh so that's so right. it's not to lose uh, hope about the things that you, you have, the bad habits that you've created. And God knows, you know, the people I think that went to university or um, went to school or college, sometimes you've had some shenanigans along the way you go. I don't know how I ever made it through that, but somehow I learned to not do the things that I did back then. And uh, so there's hope for all of us, <laughs> I think, to uh, retrain and uh, have really a lot of success in, in the ways that our life and our wellness can be better. Well, you know, you're a great example of that. What was it? 20 years ago, you lost 100 pounds or more and kept it off? Yeah, yes. You know, that is awesome. And so, yes, you did retrain your brain. Right, and I didn't realize actually at all how... 
odd that was or unique that was because I see on every magazine cover when you're walking through the store, you know, people lose 100 pounds all the time, uh, according to the cover of the story of the, of the uh, magazines. But as I've kind of gone through this, um, getting out into the bigger world, the amount of people that have told me how rare that is, uh, is astonishing to me. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think yeah. the, uh, you know, it's a very low percentage of people who could do that. Very yeah. low. Well, because I can't imagine ever wanting to go back to that. And so the, you know, like well, the things of training yourself to not want to go back into stuff that was so, like, painful. Cause, because for me, that, that was painful. That was a painful place to be. Right. And and the emotion has a big part of that. So if it's really painful, there's your motivation to mm-hmm. make the effort and persevere and change your brain and your body. Uh, and that's obviously part of it. But it's not, you know, the one of the things that we have learned is just telling people what to do. Information does not change behavior. Okay? Mm-hmm. It does not. If information worked, everyone would be skinny and happy and wealthy. Okay. Information, simply not sufficient. Necessary to help people change their behavior, but not sufficient um, because it's an effort. And yes. you made that effort. Yeah. And there's lot, many good books. One, one is uh, Change or Die. And I know there's another one that you and I have talked about several times uh, on the show just about um, that the power of groups is really one of the big ways that people can can sustain um, you know, change in their life. Can you speak to that a little bit more, Howard? Yeah, well, I do think that the right group is incredibly powerful. I, I've seen it. I, I mentioned at the top of the show that I um, was a consultant for um, Take Off Pound Sensibly, you know, a very large weight loss support group. And um, what I saw in those groups, the right group, well run, can make a huge difference because what does a group provide? First of all, it provides some accountability. If you go every week and you get on the scales and you have to share how you've done, that is very motivating. To see other people be successful and, and some people not be successful is also very empowering. Uh, other people can give you information and advice and they can remind you they can remind you why you are doing this. And also in a group, we go back to some of the things we talked about at the top of the show. If you're in a support group for, I don't know, it could be anything, let's say cancer, you're not talking really about the science and the medicine of cancer. You're talking about the experience of cancer. Mm-hmm. And for the person who's got it, that actually is more important. And that's what gets lost sometimes in medicine today, where a physician will treat you just from the medical science point of view. But what about the humanistic person, the personal point of view of how you're experiencing that? And we know more and more that is critical to health. Yes. Yeah. And that there is no such thing as a standard treatment <laughs> in most diseases. There's not a, there, or maybe not most diseases, but many diseases, there is no, absolutely no standard treatment. And, and it is a very individualized plan. So the whole idea of um, being your own best advocate uh, is critical to our wellness. And, and in our life, it's you know critical as well for our overall success and happiness and satisfaction with life. So when we come back after the break, uh, we'll explore more about how do you find satisfaction in life? What does happiness mean for people? And we'll see you on the other side of Master Your Life.
Enhance your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life, to reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my co-host Leah Mattinson. And today we're talking about many things. We're talking about how the mind works. We're talking about health and wellness. We've been talking about advocacy, uh, which is, is, is very important in an ever more complex world, especially where health is concerned. We were t- one of the reasons why advocacy is very important is that medicine and science is not perfect. Even the best scientific research gives you probabilities not certainties. But um, because we like to simplify things, you know, we say, oh, there's this great new treatment for whatever, and we assume it's a perfect treatment, it's going to work for everyone, whereas, frankly, a treatment that worked for 80% of people would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. you're one of the 20% of people it doesn't work for, right? So, so I think that's important to understand that medicine and science is about probabilities, not not certainties. So it means there's a lot, a lot of variation there. I have a great true story about that. I have a neighbor who was having some physical issues, ran some tests that were concerned maybe she might have cancer. The test came back. The doctor said to her, 99% chance you do not have cancer. And fortunately, this woman doesn't take no for an answer. She said, well, you know what? That's still not good enough for me. Is there another test I can have? And he said, well, there is one more complicated test. You have to go up to the State Center of Excellence in Columbia, South Carolina, and get it done if you want to do that. And she said, yeah. So she went, goes up, has the test. As she's coming out of this procedure, she had to be mildly sedated. The physician said to her, you are one lucky woman. We just found the beginnings of a pancreatic tumor. And we can start treating it right away. And she is alive and well five years later. And I have to say, 
I'm not sure she would be if she had said, mm-hmm. oh, 99% is good enough for me. Now, the fact is that is not medical malpractice. The doctor reported what the statistics of that test is. This test result says you're 99%, you don't have it. It doesn't mean you don't have it, it's just 99%. And so, you know, so much of what we do in life generally, but particularly medicine is like that, people need to first understand that and then be able to advocate for it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And part of understanding, I think, so I just, la- I'm laughing to myself as you're talking about all the testing and the results and whatever, because yeah. with Huntington's, as you know, there's um, a genetic test that if you're gene positive, they can test for that in Huntington's disease. And science says with 100% predictability, if you are gene positive, you will um, have Huntington's, that you will develop it. And so I, I like to play around with that in my head because I think, well, you know, uh, science doesn't really actually know everything. So I'm more on the side of science is making an error <laughs> in, this, mm-hmm. in this particular case. And I think with 100% predictability, I'm not going to manifest the symptoms of the disease. So, uh, and of course, I mean, I, I am my own best advocate because I work really hard to uh, be well and uh, in all the areas that you mentioned. So, um, and one other thing, area I think that we started out at the beginning of the show with which is love uh, you know is a huge healing mm-hmm. um, factor so uh, I say you know there's lots of things that we can do to um, control the onset of illness in of any illness and science definitely has its place also in helping us to um, identify things that might be um, ailing us it's just Part of our also responsibility is listening to our bodies intuitively, like your neighbor sounds like she did. She knew something was wrong. And even in the face of science going, no, no, I don't think so. Some little voice inside of her must have been going, hey, hang on a minute. Like, like something's not quite right here. Like, did she explain to you what, what it was for her that kind of went, no, I don't trust that test 100%. Uh, no, I, I, I've never really talked to her about it. I've always been so amazed and inspired by the fact that in that situation, she said, you know, uh, it's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and and maybe if I were in that situation, you know, I don't know. I, if I were in that situation and had been musing about the fact maybe I have cancer and I was concerned mm-hmm. about it and I thought about all the So maybe I would want certainty too. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, you never really know until you've been in that position, until you've walked right. the walk. So, um, you know, it just it, it's just a fantastic story and it a great is. example for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I would say that about Huntington's disease, okay? We know that lifestyle and all sorts of other things can really impact the ge- genetic manifestation. Uh, you know, the manifestation of your genes, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody might pre- be predisposed to an illness, um, but if they do all the right behavioral things, they're going to stretch that. It'll be 30 years longer than normal before they get it, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say this Huntington's disease, the theory is that if you have the gene positive, at some point, those symptoms are going to manifest. Well, it may be, that you doing all the things you're doing, that point is 87 years from now, okay? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, yes. And you've outlived it, and science can still say, well, it would have manifested, it just... <laughs> but at that point, the science doesn't make sense because, obviously, your your goal is not to get it during your lifetime. 
Exactly. And, or, and, or for my kids to. Right, right. Also, and, yes. Right. And, and you may be able to do that. And, and of course, we do know epigenetics. We do know that environment, behavior, the things you do absolutely can influence in a major way the manifestation of genetic information. So, you know, you're doing exactly the right thing. Yeah, and it's surprising the number of people that don't actually know that the brain can be rewired. We just had a neighbor over last night uh, for supper with her daughters, and she's you know in her mid-30s, and she did not know that the brain could rewire itself. Hmm. Yes. Wow. Like that, that is uh, 400-year-old science that kind of has started to get more traction. Or sorry, like the 400-year-old science, uh, the epigenetic or the, you know, the brain being able to heal itself has been getting more traction over the last, it's only about 12 years actually. So, uh, but just want people to really think about that, uh, that not everybody actually does know that the brain can be healed. And that's a right. huge um, that's just a huge piece of education that people need to understand that when you think about that you can heal your brain, it's like being able to fix the engine of your car, <laughs> you know, yep. yourself. Yep. And, yep. and that can change your whole day, your whole life. Um, oh. Yes, yeah, so no, quite amazing to me that she just didn't have a clue about that. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I think those of us who are in the field and think about mm-hmm. this and, and deal with it every day, obviously it becomes part of our existence and who we are. But yeah. of course, there are many, many, many people who don't follow that, don't know it, aren't, don't seem to be interested in it, even though it absolutely influences everything about us and everything that we do. And, and you know, the fact is that information about the brain is relatively new. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be thought the brain had a certain amount of plasticity in the early part of your life, but once you reached a certain age, you were done. You know, the brain didn't have that plasticity. Now we know that it has that plasticity and the ability to create new new neurons, new interconnections, new pathways throughout the lifespan. We know that. Yes, yes. And, and, the, what, what, and how that was um, connected to what was going on in her life is that she had a close family friend that had just recently had a concussion and there had been some changes in their behavior. And so we were just chatting about the whole, like, did you know that you can actually, there, there, you can do some things to heal concussion? And she, is, she was absolutely shocked by that. And then I was shocked by her being shocked. So I, mean, <laughs> I thought, well, you know, like the, sometimes I wonder if what we talk about has any real importance. But when you, when you run into people and you have these great conversations, um, I can see that that information can be life-changing for lots of people. The stuff I take for granted that, you know, that I know, I, I uh, was, yeah, I just think, wow, it's, it can be absolutely life-changing for people to know that their brain can be healed. Right. Well, I think what that highlights is that advocacy begins with education, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if a person has no clue that the brain can be rewired, you know, she's not going to try and find people who will do that or explore it, you know, in its many manifestations. So the first part of that is knowing that that is a possibility. And that's where education comes in. And mm-hmm. again, that's where advocates really need to be informed uh, about the conditions they are advocating for. Yes, and when it's your own uh, illness, 
be, uh, really educating yourself well. And we were just, again, speaking about this with another guest. And I asked the question, why is it that people don't get educated about an illness when they find out that they have it or that it's in their family? And that her answer was um, that people really don't want to step into whatever the horror is of the uh, disease. I was like, really? I would want, <laughs> I just want to know. I want to know everything so I can, you know, the old David and Goliath vanquish this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's great, and I think that's the attitude to have. But clearly there were some people. I had a friend who was a radiologist, and, and um, we talked about, you know, giving notice of terminal diseases for people, you know. And his view was some people want to be told right out, and some yeah. people just don't want to know, you know. And um, yeah, it's an interesting ethical question uh, in there. But but clearly, some people want to know everything, so like like you can be proactive and and really try to engage in it. Some people are just too scared and just do not want to know. Mm. Yeah, it makes it hard to it makes it hard to be the master and commander of your own ship. <laughs> so just it, it, just encourage it, people to be. Go ahead. This is this is also an interesting issue that comes up in in senior care, mm-hmm. uh, where you have people, mm-hmm. um, perhaps parents in cognitive decline, perhaps not understanding what's happening to them or their prognosis. Uh, you know how much of that can be explained to them, should be explained to them. Uh, it, it's a it's a real issue in, in senior care because. A lot of the time, you're dealing with people whose cognitive function and understanding is somewhat limited. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and often completely limited. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's good, important uh, to have advocates and caregivers um, in your world as we all, because we're all aging, we're all maturing, we're all you know um, headed the other direction. We're not getting younger. <laughs> And so that developing, you know, a good resource or a good network of people who you can trust to help you um, age and mature, you know, gracefully and, and safely. My parents are uh, 78 and 71, and they're, they've been friends with the same sets of friends for over 50 years. And, uh, you know, so it's funny they did New Year's this year together, and they're all getting older, and some of them are in worse uh, health shape than, than the others. But the appreciation for uh, what the journey has been for each person is absolutely amazing. Like they are all really compassionate with each other and they genuinely will go and and do stuff like the first world things of makes do for each other. (laughs) You know, when you're sick Mm -hmm. and one of their friends fell off off his horse and broke his back. Oh, Uh, yikes. Yes. Yeah, at uh, he's 78 and uh, was an avid horseman and just was wearing the wrong pair of shoes when he, you know, got up in the saddle one morning um, and just slipped out of the saddle and, and went, broke his back and ended up in the hospital and with a blood poisoning. And just it's been a months and months of battling with being ill. Uh, but they've all advocated for him and his doctors have advocated for him to have really good care. And I think that part of the magic is this going to like the groups or the people that really care about you or being part of the right group. Because if you were alone trying to navigate through that, it's a completely mm. different landscape. Oh, there, there is no question, no, no question at all. And this is really where love in its broadest sense comes into play right this is where it comes into play in the healing and in the treatment of any condition 
Uh, Dean Ornish, who's a well-known American cardiologist and lifestyle as medicine proponent, is a cardiologist. And, and in one of his books, he said, the single best treatment for cardiovascular disease is, in its broader sense, love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is that social connection, it's that feeling of meaning, of, of contributing, of, of being valued. And... Um, I'm sure he's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that's I what you're so. talking about. That's what you're talking about with this group, right? And they're all advocating. This is what they're doing is they're showing love. Yes. And I, and I agree. And I think it is across all um, illnesses or just life in general. And we're, we're definitely disconnected in our society. It, pr- it proposes a really interesting or poses a really interesting problem because we've connected or we've made ourselves into kind of being this uh, independent and fiercely independent um, people and that that's how we get our, you know, our pride and our self-esteem is by how independent we are. But when we look around... <laughs> at um, people who are really successful at navigating kind of the illnesses or, um, you know, older age and maturing, they are interconnected. Like their interdependence is what they take pride in. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a different, um, it's a different kettle of fish that we're all, I think, the people who are a bit younger are going to come up against because we've been, you know, disconnected from our families. We work alone. We often spend lots of time on our computers and our phones and not sitting around our own dinner tables. So when it comes time to help have somebody help us navigate through a challenge where we don't even have kind of the language tools around that to ask for help or to be of help. Oh, no, I, I think that's right. We, uh, modern society has uh, give, isolated us to some extent or given, this the, given us in some ways a false impression of, of independence. Um, but actually, I don't care how independent you think you are or how wealthy you are. If you want to go to the store and buy some food, you know, that food has been raised somewhere by a farmer. It's been cultivated. It's been shipped. It's been stored. You know, there's a lot of people there that have gone into you being able to buy that food. Mm-hmm. But we don't see any of that today. We just go to the store, yeah, we have to deal with a cashier, and then we leave. So we are disconnected from our interconnectedness. It's yes. still there, we just don't see it. And so when there is a chance to see it, when we act in that way, I think it's very, very meaningful, very poignant, and it could be incredibly powerful in people's healing. You know, that, that partly that's where that, the power of support groups comes in, because that's what that is. Yeah, and there are wonderful support groups that are, that exist that are kind of public support groups, like you had mentioned the takeoff. Or, or well, you didn't mention the name of the group, but, but mm-hmm. takeoff pounds sensibly uh, in uh, the U.S. And then there's there's other groups and there's communities on Facebook now are a big uh, draw for people. Uh, but also, I think just the being connected in the mindfulness sort of sense of things, people are becoming much more aware of mindfulness and just being connected on the sort of more uh, that humanity is connected with one another. So people reconnecting through meditation or prayer or just doing daily journaling of gratitudes and those kind of practices bring into our awareness that there are other people um, and other people to consider and to think about in our day-to-day lives. Absolutely. Um, that introduces a sort of uh, almost a spiritual component. Perhaps we'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. We live in a new world where we need to get used to simply mastering changes. From careers changing within our lifetimes to the number of emails coming in the next hour, managing changes leads to success. Once we are aware of changes, we can work at managing them so that we reduce any downtime, maximize transition, and minimize costs. Join host Lesia Kushner for Change is the New Constant, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Uh, the show of insight, intelligence, and inspiration. Just before the break, we were talking about spirituality and love and the uh, power of healing uh, all of the illnesses of the world and, and also helping us to heal and stay connected to other people in our lives and the people that we maybe haven't met yet. So we like to end the show often by talking about what are the daily practices that people can can do to bring uh, more fulfillment and wellness into their lives. And we talked a bit at the beginning of the show about you know nutrition and sleep and love and and as we end or talk about the last part of the of the show today. I'd just like to focus in more on some of the physical. Um, things that you can do to be well and the spiritual things that you can be well in your day-to-day life. Yeah, let me start with, um, you know, in some ways the physical ones are a little easier at least to identify what you should be doing, even if it's not always easy to do them. But let's talk about something that I think is really important um, in terms of if you want to call it spirituality, we can call it that. And I think this is critical for everyone to ask themselves and and you posed that question in the first segment is who am I and who do I want to be and really what that speaks to is what's your meaning what's your purpose you know why are you here do you know what that is and I think it's important because life is so fast now people can just find themselves even late in life never really asking themselves that question because it's very easy to get on the on the hamster wheel or the roller coaster or whatever metaphor you want to use and just keep doing, go to college, get my degree, get a job, earn money, earn more money, have a family, earn more money, uh, retire, without asking yourself, what's my purpose and what's my meaning and what is important to me? 
And I think that's a question that people have to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not sure you're ever going to be content. Yeah, you, 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 you might have lots of moments of pleasure, but that's not the same as being content. So do you, have, do you have an answer to that? What's your meaning and purpose and your reason for being here on, uh, in this experience? I would say planet Earth because we're, we're on planet Earth. <laughs> or is that well, something that evolves and changes day to day? <laughs> well, I think, I think maybe the manifestation of it changes a little bit as you go through. For me, um, for me, as I look back, and I think it's always been part of me, it's not even before I sort of consciously sat down and thought, oh, what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mine has really been the service of people, of, of really trying to help people understand, you know, their behavior and their health. And, and, and as I say, at various points, that's manifested itself a little differently. But that overall goal has been the same. Whether I'm trying to do that individually one-on-one in counseling or whether I am writing a book to try to to get some ideas across to a broader audience, that's really what drives me is service. And frankly, that's what makes me feel happiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, I might have done that to a fault <laughs> in various areas of my life, but nonetheless, I think that if you said, well, what's your meaning and purpose? That's what I would say. Right, right. I, and I would say that mine is uh, service as well, but maybe more in the realm of, because uh, I've been a coach and an athletic coach and a and a trainer and all this other wonderful stuff, again, for about 30 years. I don't want to age myself, however. that's <laughs> it is, it, And it seems like I end up working in places that are um, both uh, for-profit and not-for-profit at the same time and work on all these great um you know, gigs as I'll call them and meet terrific people who are, again, it's just like struggling with things in their life that they haven't been able to overcome. And part of my um, gift that was always, has always been in me is the ability to be optimistic uh, and to help other people to find optimism and to get out mm-hmm. of limited thinking. So we, mm-hmm. I know we back and forth about the thinking stuff, um, mm-hmm. but that, that we don't have a lot of control um, but we do have our control over the things that we're doing in the very moment that we're in. And so it's like, are you choosing to think um, positive, optimistic, loving thoughts? Or are you choosing to think like stinking thinking, you know, self-defeating uh, thoughts? <laughs> and that just even when people capture that idea, they go, hold on a minute. You mean I could think something else? Yeah, you can mm-hmm. think something else and you can do something else. And and uh, I do think that that when people physically... Um, achieve goals also that it helps them to understand that they're less limited than what they think. And that doesn't necessarily mean climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> because, right. But, right. but it can, so it can mean for some people who thought that they couldn't do um, just a simple jumping jack, for example. Um, there are people who think that they can't do a lot of things, but when their physical body can do things that they thought that they couldn't do, it's amazing how much they open up to the idea of being able to do other things uh, in their life. Um, you know, so I know lots of my clients have ended up doing things like 
you know, uh, learning how to sprint or learning how to run or uh, learning how to lift weights or those kinds of things, or even just how to do, you know, squats at home in a chair. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. just if they've been immobile for a long period of time and they go, oh, I can't possibly do that. And I go, no, I'm pretty pretty sure that you can. Like, I'm pretty sure you can stretch every morning um, unless you're completely immobilized, in which case then we'll have to work on something else. Uh, There's always a way to find a way around whatever is the, the present presenting problem and so that's I like that just helping people to sort through the roadblocks and the way that they get in their own way yeah and and you are an embodiment of that I mean you, this is not just uh, talk from you I mean you walk that walk you are that person you live that you exude it you exude hope and confidence and it's it's very powerful and that's exactly if that weren't your meaning that's exactly what it should be because that's who you are yes and i'm a little bit funny just kidding (laughs) (laughs) and you have have red hair that's right (laughs) (laughs) what hope did i have just give me a red nose and some floppy shoes (laughs) 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 and we knew it was going to end up there at some point (laughs) just didn't know it was going to be so early there you go (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so I so just as we're talking about the physical things, do you have physical things that you do every day, Howard, or a couple of times a week that make you always make you feel better? Um, sneeze? No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like to. Um, you know, I, I really jog. You know, it's changing a little bit um, because of some physical limitations, but I've been a jogger all my life, and so I'm still into sort of that very regular aerobic activity and exercise. Unfortunately, I live in a place where you can do that pretty much very easily outdoors, uh, which is which is great because I do think there's a difference between exercising indoors and outdoors, um, especially if outdoors is is scenic and you know near nature and trees and, and that sort of thing so yeah I'm, I'm a big believer in that and i've done that actually from my early 20s uh, played lots of sports at school then when i got into to graduate school particularly spent you know a year or two spent too much time at the bar at night um found that I'd gained like 35 pounds and said, I got to do something about this. And, um, you know, from that point, I've been a very, very regular exerciser Um, to the point where if I don't do it, I really notice the impact on me and I miss it. Yeah. Yes. And I've noticed that, um, again, it's like with aging and and training really hard earlier in life. And I went through the 100-pound, you know, uh, gaining and losing weight and all of that, but definitely noticed that things are breaking down now. We were just talking about this this morning at home. And I said, you know, the day I had to go and get a cortisone shot in my elbow was the day I decided that I would not do burpees anymore. (laughs) However, the other insight was going, uh, there's so many different ways of being non-punishing to yourself when you're doing Mm -hmm. kind of a physical um, activity that boosts the blood flow to your brain and and has all these other benefits that I just wasn't wise enough um, at the time to 
um, really understands. So again, this is, goes back to education around wellness and and mm-hmm. uh, educate. It's like educating yourself about what is kind of minimum effective dose sorts of things, so that your body remains great until you're you know 87 or 90, as mm-hmm. opposed to all worn out. So we've we've really become a nation of replacing parts, you know, rep- <laughs> replacing hips and replacing knees, and and uh, unfortunately we can't replace our brain. So so as our brain is if we take really good care of our brain and our body starts breaking down we still have this you know plethora of health problems so um, I'd like to say it's like reining ourselves in a bit around what is actually like really good for us like how do we love ourselves physically and and is that look like doing punishing things at the gym or does or or outside whatever whatever your landscape is or does it look like you know going to a trainer getting some really good advice about what would be you know great exercise that would keep you physically well for a long time and not wear out your joints and tendons <laughs> right right exactly right exactly and i think um yeah again part of that is education mm-hmm. i think part of that is understanding that doing moderate, even small things on a very regular basis has huge effect, right? Yes. So yes. the recommend, you know, the, the standard recommendation in terms of cardiovascular fitness and all of that entails is 150 minutes exercise a week, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really not a lot. That's 20 plus minutes a day or 30 minutes five times a week, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're not used to doing any of that, you sit, a, sit on a sofa or in an office chair all day, and you get up and you walk for 30 minutes five times a week. That is huge. Yes. That is, and so, and it is do huge. it this way. It's really fun. So this is what I do with my athletic people that are coming back after after um, being off of training for a while. Is you literally, you walk as fast as you can for seven and a half minutes away from mm-hmm. wherever it is that you're at. And then you're forced to walk back <laughs> the seven and a half minutes back mm-hmm. as fast as you can. And you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, there's a little bit more to that protocol, but you wouldn't believe people go seven and a half minutes. That just right. seems crazy. I'm like, it's so right. uh, you you will not believe the benefit of just doing um, that walk that way and that your body actually uh, develops really the ability structurally over just three weeks to be able mm-hmm. to handle more difficult exercise. So it's cool to watch people go, how can how can 15 minutes make any difference? It makes a huge oh difference. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my huge, gosh. Huge, if, you, huge. if you go from being a non-exerciser yeah. to doing what you said five or yeah. six days a week, you know, within probably a year, if not sooner, your risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and a whole bunch of other things has gone down 50, 60%. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yes, but plus it's about, you're happy. Well, yeah. And, and, and remember that, you know, what's good for your heart is good for your brain because what we're talking about is getting the right blood flow to your brain. So all the things that are recommended for cardiovascular fitness are really about brain fitness too. So, again, I think one of the things that people – don't understand because, you know, our minds are not really geared to it, is that a small amount of activity and the small amount of doing good things done consistently make a huge 
difference. Yes. And unfortunately, because we live in a marketing world, um, and for all sorts of other reasons, we we think in order to get great change, we have to do you know have to totally transform our lives. It is not true, and of course, that's not even possible for most people, right? So. It's small things done consistently that make a big difference. Yes, they do. Huge. I love my, uh, when I go visit my mom and dad, my dad still, so he's 78 and has Huntington's disease. And if anyone is curious about what that looks like, you can just go on uh, YouTube and look up Chris Furby, uh, C-H-R-I-S-F-U-R-B-E-E, Huntington's Dance. And it's like just a little five-minute video of actually what it looks like, the movement disorder looks like in this disease. Um, and so a lot of people can't walk and there, you know, some people are, many people are institutionalized in their 30s and 40s and they don't do not do well and so my dad who's 78 is in great shape and he is still on the treadmill now he doesn't run but he walks and he holds that treadmill and he's on there 20 minutes a day and it's just like his daily habit yeah it's absolutely yeah it is it's Mm -hmm. inspiring so i have no excuse like those parents of mine (laughs) (laughs) damn parents (laughs) Yes. We also know where you got it from, too, and I'm not talking about Hunter's disease, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they're good examples. So, so, yeah, part of that whole wellness thing is also thinking about, are you being a good example to anybody in your life? Right. Like, how can you, if you're stuck, if you're stuck in a spot, it's like, who do you have that's influ- you influence? And, and, you know, thinking about, could you influence them better in, in any area? And that can be inspiring, too, for people to go, oh, I never really thought about um, that this might affect how my kids view me or view the world. You mean if I walked for 15 minutes a week, that might make a difference to my kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. it, was inter- it was interesting when my son was on the, the, on the cross-country team, one of the many things he did. It was interesting. All the kids on the cross-country team, guess what, had parents who were runners or joggers. Mm-hmm. Duh. Surprise, surprise. Okay, so I mean, yeah, that modeling is huge. Mm -hmm. That modeling is huge. Uh, And we can, again, the power of group, the power of social, what we call social proof, influence. We can make a huge difference in people's lives by not just telling them what they need to do, but by being an example of it. Yes, and the other cool thing I think too is that uh, long distance running wasn't really in until the last you know, 20 or 20 years or so. And so that whole, just when people go, oh, I could never do that. I think seriously, you totally can do that. You can totally do whatever you decide to do. Maybe you're, whatever it is that you're going to start is going to be the next wave of things that the, that your kids follow and do. Like we didn't have people that played soccer in my hometown until, oh, well, until I was well graduated out of high school. And then all of a sudden it was everybody was playing soccer. Uh, so anything is possible. Yes. Oh, no question about that. And certainly today with, with the tools we have, that is one thing. Uh, we can influence more people. Uh, things do go viral. Um, and they don't even have to go viral to, to influence a few people uh, to change their behavior. And that's what we're both trying to do. Exactly. And so... Uh, we just welcome, we just appreciate your time here spent with us on Master Your Life. Uh, we hope that you've found some inspiration, intelligence, and insight uh, to help you master your life this week. Thank you.
you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life.